Dynasty Football Factory and the Dynasty Football Network. That's James the Brain. I'm John Hogan. This is Super Flexible. Travis the Beard is still in the basement for one more episode, but we're going to continue the po- position dissection without him and wrap up these running backs once and for all. We've gone through the top 14. Now we're going to go through the rest of the field. James, where are we at? We are on running back 15, and running back 15 was Dion Lewis. Um, I'm I'm not going to go through his stats. I, I think at this point we're just going to kind of discuss these players and kind of the effect that it's going to have um, them moving forward and with their current squad. So Dion Lewis was running back 15 in the PPR. He kind of came from nowhere. He was a guy that was on the outside looking into this backfield, at least most of us thought coming into the year. Uh, New England had signed Rex Burkhead. They had James White under contract. Uh, they brought in Mike Gillisley, which everyone thought kind of a big role was to be had for him. And then Dion Lewis was kind of a guy coming back from an injury. Looked like he was on the outside looking in. Um, he was in a contract year, and he ended up having the best year out of all these running backs. So it's really interesting when you look at that. Um, also interesting, Dion Lewis, like I said, is a pending free agent. Rex Burkhead, I believe, was only a one-year sign, so he, he's a free agent too. So really, New England's looking at having James White and Mike Gillisley as their two running backs under contract. Dion Lewis, I think, is going to have a role moving forward. His The, the whole knock on Dion Lewis, in my opinion, has always been his health. Um, you know, he's a smaller back. He, you know, he's a pass-catching guy, an electric guy out of the backfield. But he's not the kind of guy that can stay healthy uh, for a full 16 games. Well, he stayed healthy this year, and he looked really good. He looked like he was rejuvenated running between the tackles. Um, you know, I mean, he, he did a little bit of everything for New England this year. Uh, so I, I think he's he's probably solidified a role uh, somewhere as as a uh, you know a change of pace back a number two back at least something like that um, so moving forward I I don't I don't really know I mean Dion Lewis isn't you know he finished as running back 15 he's not viewed as the 15th most valuable running back so I don't know what you'd get for him if you moved him I think he's probably a guy at hold tight um, and just kind of see what happens with him and then moving forward what do you think about the New England situation if Rex Burkhead is a free agent where does he wind up does New England try to bring one of these guys back do they lean on James White? Is Mike Gillisley a guy that actually dresses for for uh, the majority of games this year? Not like uh, not like he did this past season. What what kind of do you envision, John, as far as the New England running backs go? To me, Deion Lewis and Rex Burkhead both belong on the Patriots. You know, they're they're kind of they kind of fit what the the you know the quote unquote Patriot way. They they're they're just kind of all around football players uh, you know even more than than being kind of a one-dimensional running back these guys are just really good football players and that's kind of what the patriots look for and in fact you know if if there's as much going on behind the scenes in new england as they lead us to believe which i'm the ultimate skeptic and the ultimate cynic when it comes to the to the Patriots. So I kind of take it with a grain of salt, but it, it makes a little bit of sense, you know, 40 year old Tom Brady. Um, and you had a young Jimmy Garoppolo who obviously was ready to, to start in the NFL. And Bill Belichick is a type of coach who would love to prove that all of this success was him rather than him and Brady, you know? So the, just the, the backstory, the context, I guess, is that the the rumor is that um, Tom Brady went to owner Robert Kraft and asked for Jimmy Garoppolo to be traded. 
um, to get him out of the way and, and remove that threat to his job and uh, kind of went behind Bill Belichick's back to do it. And now, you know, supposedly there's some drama over that. And I mean, to a certain extent, I think where there's smoke, there's fire. And I also, like I said, I think it makes some sense. You know, I think that the better move for the Patriots long term would have been to move on from Tom Brady rather than Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think that Bill Belichick was right in that if that was his position. But anyways, so if 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 all that is is about to come to a head and we're about to see the end of the Tom Brady era, which is coming sooner sooner rather than later anyways. He's 40 years old. He's playing just fine, but that cliff is going to hit. And things are going to change for the New England Patriots, at least temporarily when it comes to uh, how they how they game plan their offense. They're also going to lose Josh McDaniels. All of those things lead to you lean on the running game. So th- these these running backs would be the perfect bridge for them to, you know, the next the next phase of the Belichick era. Whoever the quarterback is, whoever the offensive coordinator is, you know, the these guys belong on the New England Patriots. The only caveat is the Patriots don't pay for, you know, wide receivers, running backs, until recently defensive backs there's certain skill positions that they're just not willing to pay for and it's worked really well for them so you know Deion Lewis to me is the most likely to leave because he could probably make he could probably get a bigger contract somewhere else Uh, but he belongs in New England I think that Rex Burkhead probably is probably cheap enough that he probably comes back so um, I think that Rex Burkhead is a stronghold uh, just for the simple fact that he might be your, you know, your your uh, early down and goal line short yardage type of guy. He might serve the entire Deion Lewis role and uh, in 2018. And then um, I'd wait and see what happens with Deion Lewis. I mean, I think that he's going to have a significant role wherever he goes. I think he I just think that he's the most likely to leave. And again, there's yet another long answer to a short question. Yeah, I I, I guess my my feeling on it is I kind of think they're both probably on the outs. I, I don't think either come back and New England definitely would need some depth there. But it seems like and, and this is just such a Belichickian thing is you know, you sign Mike Gillisley and you have James White and you kind of prepare a year before for what's what's going to happen the next year. And whether or not Mike Gillisley is going to be the back that they thought he was going to be, it just seems like Belichick isn't going to deviate from the original plan. That was the plan. That's what's going to happen, especially with roster configuration. In-game, obviously, you know, he adjusts better than any coach. In, in the NFL, but I think, you know, roster wise, they have a game plan. They stick to that game plan. They, they believe in their evaluation process and, and that sort of thing. So I could see Mike Gillisley being the guy next year that comes out of nowhere that rushes for 10 to 12 touchdowns that everyone goes, wait, where was this last year when we expected it? And James White is the elite pass catching back the guy that, uh, you know, that the two minute drill guy, the guy that uh, that's you know the third down back that kind of guy, um, and then they they have a few you know bring in a few other guys that uh, 
maybe in free agency, maybe in the draft, something like that 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 uh, that you wouldn't think would have a huge role. So that's that's my take going forward. But again, you you could be right. I'm your expert. Head could be cheap enough to where they bring him back and he has a significant role. I could see that being a possibility too. I have another prediction to make real quick. So uh, Bilal Powell is in the fin- going into the final year of his contract with the New York Jets. He uh, he's due four point eight million dollars, and he has a dead cap hit of uh, just over eight hundred thousand, almost nine hundred thousand. So there's a definite out for him, and he had to me he has New England Patriots written all over him. And especially the fact that he plays for, currently plays for an AFC East rival of the Patriots. So I'm going to make a prediction that Deion Lewis walks away, um, possibly Rex Burkhead. I, I still think that they can work out a deal with Rex Burkhead um, to make the money make sense. Um, and then uh, watch for Bilal Powell to either get cut and then signed by the Patriots or just traded to the Patriots just because that is the model every single off season, <laughs> go find a, go find an, a castaway type of running back. And, uh, you know, one that's affordable and especially anytime you can poach from an AFC East rival, Bill, Bill Belichick's going to do that every time. So just, just a thought, just a guess. Uh, let's move on to the next guy. Uh, running back 16 in 2017 was Lamar Miller of the Houston Texans. And he did it with 238 carries, 888 yards, and three touchdowns. Um, he also had 36 catches on 45 targets, 327 yards receiving, and three receiving touchdowns. And benefited quite a bit from the, uh, Dante Foreman. Uh, going down with an injury, with an ACL injury, just as he was about to break out and possibly take over that starting role from Lamar Miller. He was taking more and more work from Miller as the season progressed, but he actually tore his ACL on a long touchdown run. So uh, it was, it seemed like it was Foreman's job to lose, and then he lost it with his ACL. Uh, he left them both out on the field in Houston. Yeah, I, I agree with that take. Like, I, <laughs> I, we know what Lamar Miller is, and there's nothing wrong with it. He's he's a number two fantasy running back, and that's fine. But he, I mean, that's his floor is low end number two fantasy running back if he starts, and his ceiling is high end number two fantasy <laughs> running back if he starts. And I think you're right. I think Deontay Foreman was was in line for a larger role. That hurts Lamar Miller. And I just I, I think this is best case scenario. This is kind of what you're getting with Lamar Miller. We know who he is. Um, and uh, and again, he's 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 an above average back in my opinion. But that's about it. And uh, and I think Deontay Foreman kind of kind of was an upgrade last year. So. It'll be interesting to see if he can hold them off, but definitely not a guy that uh, that I'd be excited owning or buying. Um, I, as a matter of fact, now might be the time to sell. Um, he still has some name cachet. He's still looked upon as the starting running back in Houston. Um, so if you have Lamar Miller, now might be the time to try to move on from him, see if you can get something for him while you know he still has some value. Again, if if he does start, 
Um, it's not like you're losing a lot. I think you're losing, you know, a, a running back two at best. So that's kind of my feeling on Lamar Miller. Yep, agreed. All right. Well, let's move on to running back 17, and that was Jarek McKinnon. And Jarek McKinnon, really a, an interesting name. Um, he, real quick, he started uh, played in 16 games. He started in one. He had 150 carries, turned into 570 yards and three touchdowns. Um, in the passing game, he uh, had 68 targets. He hauled in 51 of those 68 targets for 421 yards and two touchdowns. Um, Latavius Murray vultured a lot of touchdowns from him, and Latavius Murray is a bigger back. You kind of expect that, but that's kind of the thing with, with Jarek McKinnon. He's a pending free agent, um, and so he's going to have a role in the passing game no matter where he ends up, which is, is good. It's valuable. You need that in the PPR. However, his upside's limited. He's not going to get a lot of touchdowns. He's not going to get a lot of goal line work, that sort of thing. Um, so you just know what you're getting with McKinnon. I mean, this was an exciting year for him. He flashed some of the ability that he has when he gets the ball in the open field. He's a fun player to watch, but at the same time, I mean, he's not a guy that has that high of a ceiling. Just because he's 5'9 and about a little over 200 pounds, um, he, he's not going to be an every down back. He's not going to be a guy who gets a whole lot of carries. Um, he doesn't look comfortable running in the line. So, um, you know, he, he's he's kind of a niche player. Um, I, I definitely think that he has value. And if I have Jarek McKinnon, I'm probably holding him because, I mean, what are you going to get for a guy like Jarek McKinnon? Uh, I mean, I, I don't think you're going to get anything, a, a huge upgrade over Jarek McKinnon right now. And if you're getting a draft pick, you're probably hoping that they turn into a Jarek McKinnon, you know, yeah. <laughs> because you're probably getting a late second, early third. And so I, I, I don't think um, – I, I don't – I don't know. I, I think if you have Jarek McKinnon, you hold him. You hope that he winds up in a really good situation. Um, you know, the Giants are a situation that, you know, a lot of people are kind of clamoring in New York to, to bring him in. And that's, you know, could be an interesting situation. Pat Shermer, um, you know, going to be the head coach there. So obviously he fits the system and his usage would probably be pretty close to the same. There's not anyone on the Giants that would really kind of cut into that. So um, Jerick McKinnon's an interesting, interesting guy. If I have him, I'm keeping him. I'm probably not going to go out and try to buy him. Um, you know, if, if I don't have him, um, but, uh, but, you know, he had a really nice season and he's a guy that I think can, uh, can build upon that a little bit. Just just don't expect too much. Understand what his ceiling is. Yeah, I think so too. And I mean, I, I do think that the ceiling, I probably have a little bit higher hopes for him uh, than you do. I, I mean, I think that uh, in the right, the right system, in the right situation, I actually do think that he could be a feature back. And so I, I am, I'm cautiously optimistic about Jarek McKinnon and I'm I'm actually going around buying him um, because, I mean, I do think that he's fairly cheap. Although, you know, with the news that he's going to walk away from the Vikings, I think that his, his price is going to get a little too high for me in most cases. But uh, anywhere where, you know, he's still being viewed as the number two running back, you know, kind of 2A running back in uh, in Minnesota, then I'm buying him just on the off chance that he does end up in a in a better situation, um, which I think is pretty much a given. Um, and then as far as Dalvin Cook goes, I mean, Dalvin Cook to me is, is he's one of my favorite uh, running backs going into the 2018 season, which means if I get an opportunity to buy him 
you know, if I can, if I can make a trade somewhere where I've got, you know, a Todd Gurley, Alvin Kamara, if I can make a trade where I'm giving up that guy for a package that includes Dalvin Cook and pretty much anything else, I'm doing it because I think Dalvin Cook is, uh, you know, a 2018 top five type running back who I can then trade after 2018 um, yeah. because that's just the way I approach running backs. But uh, that's that's kind of where I'm at with, with both of those guys. Yeah, I would real quick, I would say Delvin Cook is interesting. The only thing for me, I, and I, I'm buying his talent, the only thing for me that, that's a little bit now, uh, you know, kind of clouding my, my, my love of, uh, of Delvin Cook here is, you know, that situation's really cloudy. I mean, you, you're going to have a new offensive coordinator. Um, you're going to have a new quarterback or maybe an old quarterback or I don't know what kind of quarterback you're going to have. I mean, Case Keenum, Teddy Bridgewater, and Sam Bradford are all pending free agents. Who's the quarterback of the team? Who's the offensive coordinator? Who's calling plays? Uh, how is this going to work kind of moving forward? And so for me, I, I kind of want to see that. I, I, I'm a buyer in Delvin Cook's ability. I mean, I think we saw that. He is he is just so good. He's fun to watch. It seems like he got better every game that I watched him in. So um, I'm definitely looking forward to him next year. But I, I'm a little hesitant to buy him yet just because there's so much uncertainty in that situation. I kind of want to see it kind of clarify and see how I feel about who they bring in an offensive coordinator, who's going to be the quarterback, and kind of what the role might be for Cook going forward. So the next one up, uh, interesting that I landed on this, <laughs> C.J. Anderson of the Denver Broncos. My own Denver Broncos. C.J. Anderson finished as running back 18 in 2017. He had 245 carries, 1,007 yards, three touchdowns rushing, and then 28 catches, 224 yards receiving, and a receiving touchdown, and he did that on 40 targets. So that was pretty significant volume, all things considered, and it was also a little surprising to me that he finished as well as he did, despite being, quite honestly, the second best running back in Denver for most of the season. And uh, part of why we bring this up is, you know, Devontae Booker was already well on his way to taking over the the lead back job in Denver. He never quite got it done, which I thought was interesting, um, because you know, from from the off season, I was kind of calling for Booker to become the the starting running back in Denver, and he just kind of never quite took the step that I expected him to take. He never quite separated from C.J. Anderson. He was slightly better, definitely a better pass catcher, and at times way more electric, way more. He just had fresher legs. But he he never quite materialized uh, the way I expected. And it's interesting because, I mean, C.J. Anderson just uh, two years ago signed a pretty significant contract with the Broncos. And he's making quite a bit of money for a running back, um, especially on a team that probably needs to start looking into rebuilding the offensive side of the ball. You know, it probably means you're drafting a rookie quarterback. It probably means you're moving on from at least one of those two veteran wide receivers in Demarius Thomas or Emmanuel Sanders. And it probably means you save some money by letting C.J. Anderson walk, you know, or, or trading him away. 
there was talk going into the season that C.J. Anderson might be a, a candidate to be traded for linebacking help. And I think that that might, the, the, the drum beat might get significantly louder this offseason. So I'm kind I'm kind of approaching this as if CJ Anderson's not going to be in Denver. So for fantasy purposes, I kind of think that CJ Anderson's value uh might actually might actually increase a little bit here. He might end up being a buy low type of guy because he he absolutely could be a workhorse running back in the right offense and in the right system. He does need a credible uh, passing game in order to do that and he doesn't have that in Denver right at the moment and then as far as the Denver running back situation goes I don't know if they feel comfortable enough with Devonte Booker to make that move I feel like they they feel like they need to make that move financially to move on from CJ Anderson but I don't know for sure that Devonte Booker is the guy so a couple a couple interesting thoughts on that I suppose first of all D'Angelo Henderson looked electric in his limited opportunities between the preseason and the last game of the season and second of all Denver might be a sneaky candidate to to take a, a running back fairly early in this draft um, maybe a uh, Saquon Barkley and that one doesn't get talked about a whole lot, but I, I, I'll be honest, James. I, I'm not. I wouldn't be shocked to see the Broncos actually be the one to, to make that pick that uh, that we're all coveting. And I don't know for sure. We're going to talk about Saquon Barkley later. I don't know what that does to his value, but for me, it might take a little bit of, bit of a hit fantasy wise if he's on the Denver Broncos roster. Yeah, that's that's an interesting thought there. I I'm just gonna add my two cents right quick. As far as C.J. Anderson, I, I when I saw that he was 18th on this list, I was quite frankly shocked. I went in, kind of dug into the numbers a little bit. I would never have guessed that he rushed for a thousand yards. I, I just yeah. wouldn't have. I mean, I I didn't think he had that good of a season. So um, that kind of shocked me a little bit. Devontae Booker seemed to me, as an outsider looking in, it seemed like he flashed. I mean, you would see him make some plays that were just like, oh, man, you yeah. know, if this guy can do that. But then consistency wasn't there. Um, and, and I don't know. I, I guess I'll kind of refer to you on it because I don't know if it was just I mean, it's it's a lot of running backs. I'll tell you, it's difficult to get into a rhythm if you're not getting the ball, if you're not getting those carries consistently, if you're coming off the bench and getting a carry and then going and sitting down for four minutes and then getting another carry on the next drive and then, you know. It can be difficult, so I don't know if that was the case with Booker or, or you know, how many how many games he actually started or got significant carries in. But um, it, it'll be interesting going forward. Um, as far as the uh, the Saquon Barkley thing goes, I, I definitely think that's interesting. I mean, you would know more about this than I would, but it seems like part of the Denver lore has been having these running backs that just go nuts. Um, but it doesn't seem like a lot of those running backs were drafted very highly. I'm just kind of looking, thinking through some of Denver's, uh, Denver's great, you know, running back seasons and thinking about guys like Mike Anderson and, um, you know, Terrell Davis and Clinton Portis, Clinton, yeah, Clinton Portis and fullbacks that they, you know, 
turned into running backs and yeah. you know those guys had thousand yard years i mean it was just it was impressive but it didn't seem like they spent a high pick on those guys so uh, but maybe you know it's been a little bit since they've had a dominant running back maybe that's that's kind of the calling for denver is to get that running game going again so uh definitely interesting uh an interesting thing to kind of kind of keep an eye on moving forward there yeah, I mean, I think that the first of all, the thought is <clears throat> that you can get a rookie quarterback in the early second round. This is a deep enough class. They know they need to address that. They, I think, they also probably plan on bringing in a veteran quarterback. You know, an Alex Smith, maybe a Kirk Cousins. If they bring, if they sign Kirk Cousins, then. I'm then I start to push all the chips into the middle on Saquon Barkley being that fifth overall pick in the draft. But, um, you know, if they just go with a bridge type of quarterback, you know, an older guy, um, or, uh, or a guy who, you know, is not a long-term starter necessarily, you know, a Tyrod Taylor, or a Drew Brees, or a Alex Smith, even if they bring in a guy like that, then, uh, you know, and then you're just trying to bridge the gap to the rookie. Well, the easiest way to make things easy on everybody, you know, a quarterback learning a new system, um, a veteran quarterback learning a new system, uh, a rookie quarterback trying to learn just the, the pro game. The easiest way to do that is to lean heavily on a running back. And so that's where I think that Saquon Barkley actually makes a ton of sense for them. Um, depending on uh, on you know how the free agency kind of shakes out for him, but you know, that that's the type of player that you can get who is going to cover up the blemishes on the offensive side, and he's also going to, like I said, I mean, just kind of make life easier for your quarterbacks while they learn a new system and, and learn an entirely new game. Um, so that that's kind of where I think, you know, I I still think that there's a chance that Devontae Booker and D'Angelo Henderson could be the guys in Denver that you're looking at fantasy wise. Um, but I mean, I I don't think that I'm gonna overpay for those guys because I feel like every one of these guys is on pretty shaky ground. C.J. Anderson still still holds some value because he'll be a starter somewhere. I just don't really think it's going to be in Denver. Okay, yeah, that's, again, another thing kind of to look forward to in this offseason, kind of see what happens there in Denver with that backfield. Um, to move on to number 19, number 19 on our list, uh, finishing at number 19 was DeMarco Murray. Uh, I, DeMarco Murray, real quick, we'll go through his stats. Um he played in 15 games, started all 15. He had 184 carries for 659 yards, six touchdowns. He also had uh, 47 targets. He turned into 39 receptions for 266 yards and one touchdown. Um, real quick, DeMarco Murray's going to be 30 next year. He's hit the wall. Um, this is a guy who consistently ran too high throughout his career um, and took a lot of unnecessary hits and punishment because of it. Um, you look at his yards per carry, he averaged a career low 3.6 yards per carry this year. So not only did his carries go down, but his efficiency did too. That's, that's huge. I mean, that's, that's saying that he was, he was fresher 
when he was in games because he wasn't getting as many carries in on the field as often, and he still was less effective than he was previously. So that shows you that a guy whose volume went down was not as efficient. And it's not like the defense wasn't getting wore down because when he was checking out, Derrick Henry was checking in, another big back who's physical and is punishing that defensive line. So by the fourth quarter, I mean, this team is still tired. There's no excuse for why DeMarco Murray wasn't as efficient other than he had a poor year and, well, maybe it's time to start looking at his age and usage and uh, and selling him. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm selling DeMarco Murray as far as Derrick Henry goes. It, you know, that, that's interesting, too. They bring in Mike Vrabel. Um, it sounds like, um, you know, he... He, he made a few comments this week about how he's not going to run it into eight and nine-man fronts, and that's silly, and kind of took a pot shot at some of the old uh, coaches that were there, and um, it was an interesting comment. I don't know what the hiring of Mike Vrabel and what that's going to end up doing uh, for Tennessee as far as DeMarco Murray goes, or uh, I'm sorry, as far as Derrick Henry goes, rather, um, but uh, I the, the offensive coordinator hire, it sounds like this is going to be more of a spread offense um it sounds like they're targeting uh one of the uh the offensive coordinators from um ohio state so they had a co-offensive coordinator there they're targeting one of those guys to come in um and kind of the general thought process is it's probably going to be a little bit more spread offense something uh, a little bit better for mariota which which is fantastic but i don't know what that does to derrick henry if you're spreading out the offense um and that sort of thing um, I don't know if, you know, if Henry's taking, you know, handoffs from shotgun, if he's not running from a traditional formation, how that affects him. So um, either way, I think I'm holding Derrick Henry. He's young enough. He's shown me enough that I, I probably want to keep him. Um, I don't think his value is high enough to where you're going to deal him and get a whole lot back. Um, DeMarco Murray, on the other hand, I'm selling. I'll take whatever I can get. I mean, pretty much pretty much anything i mean i'll take a late round pick for for demarco murray <laughs> at this point just because i don't think uh i i don't think yeah i think the arrow's clearly pointing down with him so uh, what are your thoughts on those guys though john so demarco murray has uh two years left on his contract uh, totaling uh 13 just over 13 million dollars um he also has a roster bonus in 2018 of a quarter of a million dollars that's that's not a lot uh, except for the fact that, you know, paying out a bonus just for making a roster um, does add up, especially considering he has zero dead cap money. He's gone. There's no way DeMarco Murray comes back to Tennessee. I mean, maybe they they rework that contract, but there's no way that they're going to pay him, you know, six and a half million dollars in 2018, including that roster bonus when they don't have to pay anything, you know, they could save that much money by letting him go. So yeah, DeMarco Murray's gone. Um, the, the question with him, I mean, you know, on the last episode, we talked about, you know, bringing in a guy who, who provides some relief for, uh, for Leonard Fournette in Jacksonville. To me, DeMarco Murray could be that guy. Um, I don't, I, that's, that's just kind of off the top of my head or just kind of shooting from the hip. That's a possible landing spot for DeMarco Murray. And that's the type of situation that he probably belongs in. Um, he's also shown that he's, uh, that he's very capable catching the ball out of the backfield. So, you know, if you're looking for a little bit more of a dual threat, 
Um, so there's some landing spots for him for sure. It's just not going to be in Tennessee. So that's the bigger question is Derek Henry and what does Mike Vrabel do uh, to uh, with, you know, this this modernized offense? What does that mean for Derek Henry? And uh, that's going to be the question. And it's making me a little bit nervous about a guy who uh, who I picked, you know, is a is a very, very early 2018 type sleeper. Um, all of a sudden I'm not feeling great about that with him, you know, possibly, uh, seeing a, a, a totally altered role where he might be asked to do a lot more receiving out of the backfield. And that's not exactly his strong suit. I believe he can do it, but, um, to me, this is a guy who's just built to play the running back position. He's, he's, just between his build, his speed, uh, his vision, his balance, all of it just adds up to the prototype for a running back. But that doesn't fit in a spread offense. And that so that makes me nervous. All right, next up is running back number 20, Alex Collins for the Baltimore Ravens. And this isn't even so much about Alex Collins necessarily, just that entire backfield is uh, very much up in the air, um, which is which is strange because Alex Collins did have such a good year, um, but uh, John Harbaugh just doesn't want to commit to him as the feature back. Kenneth Dixon's coming back from the ACL injury, and uh, I would expect for him to play a role and cut into it pretty significantly. Buck Allen was running back number 23, and he did it mostly as a pass-catching back, um, and Danny Woodhead is gone from this offense. So, But I still think that it, barring health, barring suspension, all the bonehead stuff that comes along with Kenneth Dixon, and barring any moves in the NFL draft, I think that uh, that Buck Allen is out. Kenneth Dixon is probably the pass-catching back. Alex Collins starts off as the uh, the feature back, and uh, with Kenneth Dixon pushing for that. So I think that Kenneth Dixon is by low. Alex Collins is probably more of a hold at this point. Yeah, real good. I like that. Twenty one was Frank Gore, um, and really Frank Gore. He's been around as long as um, dirt, but he, he just he's always significant. It seems like he always ends up. You know, a uh, running back too. He has some fantasy relevance every year. I, I, I mean, I don't know how you can count on that moving forward. Marlon Mack was a guy who, you know, he seemed he seemed like he's a, he's a good secondary guy. I just don't see him being kind of the the main guy going forward. So I don't know what the Colts do. I would expect them to bring in a free agent. To be honest, I think Marlon Mack is best used in a secondary role. And Frank Gore, I mean, it's hard to count on him to to continue doing what he's been doing and playing game in and game out. So I don't think that I would count on him fantasy-wise moving forward. Uh, Marlon Mack, I think, has a role. He's more of a pass-catching back, and uh, he'll be um, a decent, um, you know, low-end number two, high-end number three type running back, I think, if they find someone that can fill the Frank Gore role a little bit more than Frank Gore could. Tevin Coleman was running back 22. We talked about the Atlanta backfield in the last episode, but I, I'll just mention real quick once again that I think Tevin Coleman is a very, very sneaky by low. I think he might be on his way to taking over the uh, lead back job there in Atlanta. So I'm I'm buying up Tevin Coleman everywhere that I can. 
Yeah, I think we both agree there. Um, running back 23, we went over Buck Allen. He was running back 23. 24 was Chris Thompson, and that was impressive only because Chris Thompson got hurt, um, and he, he was still that good. I mean, he had, at the beginning of the year, he had some games that were just incredible. He really was good out of the backfield. He, he caught the ball very well. Samanji P. Ryan is a guy who came on later in the year and kind of showed, you know, in a few games what he could do. Um, I think that Chris Thompson's going to have a role going forward in this offense. I'm, I'm definitely holding him. I like uh, his versatility and what he can do. And I think Samanji P. Ryan is probably a between the tackles, two down back. Um, so I think they both have their limitations, but I'm um, probably holding both of them moving forward. All right, cool. Let's uh that's it for the top 24. We made it. So let's we're going to do just some quick hitters on uh some guys who didn't finish as top 24 running backs as RB1s or RB2s. And the first guy that we have to start with. We have to start here. David Johnson. You know, he had the the wrist injury early in week 1 and it, it absolutely ruined fantasy seasons. And I think that there's some recency bias. That's a term that gets thrown around quite a bit. But I think that there's some of that going on. You know, by David Johnson not only missing the season, but also ruining some people's entire season by doing it so early in the season. Uh, I think that a lot of people are kind of undervaluing undervaluing David Johnson right now. Um, you know, especially after seeing a full season of guys like Todd Gurley, Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt, you know, I, I think that David Johnson might have slid back on a lot of people's rankings and a lot of people's radar. And so I think that we need to start with him. Um, and uh, and I'm curious, James, where where you've got him and your rankings um, going into 2018. Yeah, I, I'll go on record as saying I love David Johnson. Um, I love his talent. Um, I think I have him at running back two. And the only reason why I don't have him at running back one isn't the injury. It's some of the uncertainty going on in Arizona. Um, I don't know who the quarterback's going to be. Again, we don't know who the head coach is going to be. It looks like they, they agreed to uh, to bring in uh, a head coach uh, just just today, uh, not long ago. It looks like uh, Carolina's defensive coordinator, Steve Klein, is going to come in there. Um, and, uh, he was, he was, you know, kind of the, the front runner for that position. It was reported. So I, I think he's going to end up getting the position and, uh, you know, that still doesn't leave us a lot of answers as far as who's going to be running the offense, who's going to be calling plays and who's going to be the quarterback there. But, um, I, I think either way, David Johnson has a significant role in this offense because he's great at running the ball. Um, you know, between the tackles outside, he's excellent at pass catching. He's a good, I mean, there's, there's no situation he won't be on the field for, so I think his opportunity is still going to be there. I guess my whole thing is, is how many eight, nine-man boxes is he going to be running up against? You know, um, that's that's my thing. You know, uh, do they bring in somebody who can stretch the field that defenses have to respect the passing game with? Does Fitzgerald come back? What does that wide receiver core look like? That sort of thing. So um, there's, there's some questions there, but uh, David Johnson talent-wise is just so good that I'm willing to take on some of those risks um, just because I think he's so young and uh, – and, you know, his injury isn't an injury that I'm really concerned with affecting him overall. So um, I'm, I, I take a chance on David Johnson. I like him an awful lot this year. Yeah, exactly. The, there's kind of a, a little bit of a groundswell 
about the fact that he's starting to become quote unquote injury prone. You know, he had the the ACL at the end of the uh, 2016 season and then starts the 2017 season with the wrist injury. And I, the, the wrist to me, that is nothing that actually, if anything, that's beneficial, (laughs) believe it or not. I know it sounds grotesque to say that, but the, the reality is that's a year less wear and tear on his legs. So, you know, kind of along the same lines as Ezekiel Elliott serving a suspension, you know, David Johnson, rather than getting beat up for an entire year, he stayed fresh, he stayed healthy, he comes back without soft tissue damage in his, uh, you know, in his lower extremities that are going to slow him down and limit his explosion and his cutting abilities. He comes back with, with completely healthy legs and the ability, and fresh legs. So I love David Johnson for 2018. And if I believed in going hard after running backs, David Johnson would be my number one running back. I mean, I think I do, I I am going to go ahead and rank him now. Actually, I've got Le'Veon Bell ranked ahead of him. So Um, do I. Yeah. So do I. That's my one. So. Yeah, yeah, I think you still have to. You can make an argument for Todd Gurley because he is what three, two, three years younger than David Johnson, mm-hmm. and and that's fine. But I just think that Todd Gurley is in for a regression, um, just based on you know the situation and that offense is going to it's going to start to slant a little bit more towards the pass. And they're going to get away from the checkdowns to Gurley, and uh, there's you're going to see more of Jared Goff throwing the ball down the field. So, and again, you know, we talked about this with Ezekiel Elliott. We're splitting hairs. I I fully admit that. I don't think there's a huge difference between Todd Gurley and David Johnson, and I wouldn't fault you if you took Gurley over Johnson. Um, I just think that there's that there's enough of a difference in the opportunity for David Johnson to put him ahead of Gurley. So that's that's where I'm at with him. And I think that he is a slam dunk to be a top five running back in 2018 as long as he can stay healthy. And that's not to say that he's injury prone because he's not. There just always is that chance for a running back to uh, to miss some time with injuries. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with everything you just said. I'm on board. Um, so so let's kind of move along to Seattle. Uh, Seattle's running back situation such a mess. And I'm just going to real quick. I mean, we have Chris Carson, Mike Davis, uh, J.D. McKissick, uh, C.J. Procise, and Eddie Lacy right now is kind of the backs that are there. Uh, Thomas Rawls, I, I guess. I, 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 out of all those running backs, Chris Carson's pretty much the only one I'm interested in. I, I would yep. think that if any of them start, it's Carson. However, I don't think the starting running back is is on this team. Um, I think they're going to bring somebody in. I, I think they have to. I mean, how? I know Seattle's kind of rebuilding, but it seems like they're rebuilding and reloading on the offensive side, whereas the defense is going to be a slower, you know, let's let's rebuild through the draft type thing. Whereas, you know, if we're going to compete, we're going to compete offensively. So I think they got to go out and get a guy at, at the running back position. That's just my quick take on it. What do you think, John? Yeah, I agree. Well. I, I don't completely agree. <laughs> um, I, I think that Chris Carson is the guy. I think they love Chris Carson. They love what they saw before he went down with the injury. And uh, I think that uh, it's it's going to be his his job going into 
uh, into the preseason. Now, I will admit that this is a strong enough rookie uh, running back class that anybody who drafts a, a rookie running back, you know, just for depth, there's a chance that, that that running back is good enough to push for a starting job. And so that could happen in Seattle. But I I really think that they've got bigger issues that they need to address. I think that they need to improve the uh, the the weapons around Russell Wilson. They clearly need to fix that offensive line, and they're gonna they're gonna lose a lot of talent on the defensive side. So I think that that is going to be a priority for them as well. So I I think that. If you know if you're if you're Pete Carroll and you're looking at this roster, I think that running back, believe it or not, is actually probably the the position that you feel the best about going into 2018, and you feel like it's you know other than quarterback, of course, and it's probably the position that you feel like you can you you can kind of kick the can down the road for at least another year, and I think you're okay with Chris Carson. I think that you've got you know, Mike Davis, J.D. McKissick. I think those guys are are very good backups. And in deeper leagues, I would hang on to both of those guys um, because, you know, Chris Carson is a smaller running back. He's very dynamic, but he's smaller, and there's a good chance that he misses some time, which if that happens, you know, if he, if he suffers an injury and he misses time, Mike Davis, J.D. McKissick go right back to being kind of the dual threat type running backs uh on the on that roster so a couple more guys that we wanted to talk about um and i don't know that there's a lot to say about either of these guys but there are some fantasy questions and even though they're on separate teams i'm gonna throw them both out to you at the same time first of all is amir abdullah and he is going to be back in detroit um but we don't know for sure what that means. And then Doug Martin, who's out in Tampa Bay, and uh, I wonder where he lands, and I wonder if it matters. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I'd sell both of these guys, I think. I think Amir Abdul, really, we've seen enough of him to kind of know what he is, and I, I'm just not interested. Um, I think he's had opportunity after opportunity to be the guy that everyone says he was coming into the year, and he just he he hasn't been. He's he's just kind of a guy at that running back position. I think Detroit's ready to move on, and uh, and I I, I kind of don't blame him. I, I think that's a uh, up as uh, one of the spots that I'd be looking for one of the free agent running backs to go to, maybe a uh, Carlos Hyde or someone like that. Um, Doug Martin is another guy. Uh, he's just so inconsistent. I mean, he'll have a great year, and then he'll have a terrible year, and then you you can't count on him with injuries, suspensions. It, it's just it, it's gotten to the point where. I don't think a team can bring in Doug Martin and say, okay, this is a guy that we're going to lean on at best. At absolute best, I think he can hope to come in and be part of a committee. But he's more likely to come in and be a clear number two to someone. So, you know, I could see him, you know, uh, maybe if Chris Johnson is gone and AP is gone, maybe maybe he goes to Arizona as, as kind of a backup to David Johnson. I could see that being a role for him. Um, so I'm not buying either one of those guys personally. What, what's your take on those guys, John? Yeah, I think I'm with you. I think uh, I don't want either of these guys on my fantasy roster, to be honest. And it hurts me to say that because both of them are just, they they have always appeared so talented. They just can't get it together for, for two different reasons, but with very similar results. 
Um, Amir Abdullah is just, I mean, there's, there's no reason for him to be as ineffective as he is, but he just is. Um, I, I kind of think that Tion Green might be, at least for now, he's kind of the default, uh, running back that you want in Detroit. And, uh, Doug Martin, I, like I said, I don't know where he's gonna, gonna land. I don't even really have much of a prediction, but I don't, I also just, like I said, I don't think it matters. I'm, I'm not so sure that it matters. I think that he's running back depth somewhere and, you know, he's going to get maybe five carries a game as long as he can actually stay healthy and stay out of trouble. And, uh, I just don't think that there's enough there for him to be fantasy relevant. Yeah. All right. Well, Moving on, I, the question I kind of want to ask you about is Green Bay. What, what's going on in Green Bay, and what do you do with uh, Aaron Jones? Obviously, was a guy that I, I know a lot of us at DFF are really high on. Um, every time he hit the field, it seemed like he flashed, but you know he got in a little bit of trouble and uh, got got suspended, and that opened the door for Jamal Williams while Ty Montgomery was hurt, and uh, Jamal Williams took advantage of it, and it seemed like he was kind of the back going forward there, but, um, you know, there's word coming out that he has to work on some of his explosiveness. He was just kind of a guy there when you look at his yards per carry and such. Um, Ty Montgomery is a guy who's going to come back healthy. What do you make out of that backfield, and who do you want, if anyone, out of there? For me, it's Aaron Jones. It's absolutely Aaron Jones, and I think that, I, I mean, he also, I believe he also dealt with an injury. And so the combination of the two, I mean, that definitely, that definitely worries you, you know, both of those things can start to pile up the injuries and the off the field issues. But all that aside, Aaron Jones is not only the most talented and most versatile, most complete back on that roster. He to me, he he was among the top five in this rookie class, which is saying a lot because this obviously this was a loaded rookie class, but I think this was one of the one of the best backs uh, to come out of that class. So for me, it's it's Aaron Jones. I mean, I think that Jamal Williams is a little bit more of a handcuff type guy. Um, Ty Montgomery is going to be kind of the monkey wrench in this whole thing. And part of the part of the problem is that if he stays at running back, which is kind of where he belongs, to be totally honest with you, he's all he's going to do is take away work from these guys. You know, he's trusted by the offense, um, by uh, by Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy. He's he's. He, he, uh, he, you know, he's a good receiver out of the backfield. He's got the assignments down when it comes to staying at home and blocking. So he's going to get on the field. Um, the, the saving grace could be a shift back to running back for Ty Monk or to wide receiver for Ty Montgomery. And I think that's kind of what we're rooting for here. Um, I think that's the only chance that he really has fantasy value. Um, but I think that it, for him and Jamal Williams, the bigger thing is they're, they are more uh, fantasy fantasy value killers. Um, they're going to take away from Aaron Jones way more than they're going to actually have standalone value. Yeah, I, I completely agree with everything you just said. Um, I, if I want one running back, it's Aaron Jones. 
I don't know that I'd go top five. That might be the one thing that I don't totally agree with, but I definitely think he is a talented, <laughs> talented running back. He's good, man. Every time he had an opportunity in Green Bay, it seems like he flashed. Um, there was one game when, I mean, Jamal Williams started. Aaron Jones had one carry. It was an overtime, and it was like a, it was a game-winning touchdown carry, and it was it was from far out. It was like a forty-some yarder. So, I mean, Aaron Jones just seemed to produce every time he hit the field. It was clear to me just watching them that he was the most talented back. So, if, if I, I want Aaron Jones uh, out of this uh, out of this trio as well, I'm definitely higher on him than any of them. Um, and uh, and yeah, so that's that's kind of where I stand with it too. So we talked a little bit about we talked about Jarek McKinnon um, in particular possibly taking over the role of uh, RB one in New York for the Giants, but there's a couple other guys there who already have a job with the Giants, and not it's a very murky situation without Jarek McKinnon <laughs> setting foot uh, into uh, into Jersey, so. Orleans Darkwa and Wayne Gallman, are they worth, either of those guys worth owning in fantasy um, as anything other than a speculative ad? No, not, not in my <laughs> opinion. I mean, look, Easy um, enough. Orleans Darkwa, too, was, he's interesting because he's he's really just a guy. But last year, that's, that's what the Giants needed. They just needed a guy that was going to run forward and gain yards because – they didn't have that. They had guys that were dancing around behind the line of scrimmage that were losing yards, that were trying to make things that weren't there. And so he was fine for what they needed last year, in my opinion. Um, but, I mean, moving forward, no. I mean, especially if Pat Shermer is going to be your head coach, you're going to run that scheme. Wayne Gallman, maybe, maybe, if they don't bring anybody else in, has a little bit of value. He's a guy that maybe catch the ball out of the backfield a little bit, make something happen. But I've never been overly impressed with Gallman. So, I'm, I'm going to say no. Um, I, I, I'm not interested in owning either one of these, even as speculatory ads. I think there are guys that are probably even longer shots that I would rather add just because I think their ceiling is higher, um, whereas I don't I don't really see that with either one of these guys. I know I'll probably get some people disagreeing with me on Gallman because he's younger, but um, but I don't, I don't see it there for him either. Uh, what's your take, John? Yeah, I, b- I believe it's the same. I mean, this is an explosive offense, and it's a great opportunity for wh- whoever has that job. I'm not so sure that it's e- either of those guys anyways. Um, but uh, even if it is, I think that uh, the, it's a great opportunity that's a little bit wasted on a lack of talent, to be totally honest. So, I mean, I could see holding on to Wayne Gallman as a lotto ticket um, just in case – you know, somehow he comes out of this offseason as the starter um, without a whole lot of competition beyond Darkwa. But uh, I, I, I'm i not going to go out of my way to add him. I guess leave it at that. Okay, so next let's talk about the Eagles running back position real quick. And JHI is a guy that they brought in, obviously traded for midseason, uh, kind of brought him in, and he has... He's looked pretty good in, in limited role. I mean, he hasn't really gotten that, that huge workload um, that, that we kind of saw in Miami where he got, you know, a bunch of carries and kind of got fed the ball. Uh, Corey Clement's another guy there that uh, it's really interesting because he's kind of the same. He he probably has an even more limited workload, but every time it seems like he touches the ball, he's a difference maker. He's He's got speed. He's a guy that can uh, – that 
that can really make make some plays in in the open field. He looks like he did his rookie year when he was in Wisconsin. I mean, he he just he, he was explosive. He had that quickness, that speed, that agility, and he had a nose for the end zone. So um, I, I kind of I'll be honest with you, I kind of like Corey Clement here. I, I kind of think I would own him. JJ he scares me with his knee. Um, you know, that was a big question mark coming out of Boise State. A lot of people, uh, a lot of scouts and, um, you know, had him down on the board because they just didn't feel like his knee was going to hold up long term. And so, you know, I, I just I, I'm concerned with that. I'm also concerned with the fact that, you know, are the Eagles concerned with it? Because I, I, I don't understand why he hasn't been on the field more than he has or gotten more of a, a, a run, um, to be honest with you. So, I'm I'm a little concerned about his role moving forward. It seems like they like keeping a fresh back in there, um, you know, with Legarrette Blunt in that backfield too. It seems like you know there's there's a vulture there. So I I mean I, I I'm a little worried that Ajayi didn't get used more than he did in Philadelphia, and that's kind of why I'm not going to buy him. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm probably selling him if I have him. What's your take on these guys? I agree with you on Corey Clement, and I disagree on Jay Ajayi almost wholeheartedly just because to me Jay Ajayi was very low risk for 2017 you traded a fourth round pick for him you know there's kind of no reason to put him out there in 2018 however Jay Ajayi is going into his walk year he'll be a he'll be a unrestricted free agent after 2018 and so that's the time where you ride a guy into the ground you know, and you know, if he if he can't hold up to the to the workload that you want to put on him, then you let him walk because, you know, that's that's not what you want. You don't you don't want a guy who has bad knees and who's gonna miss significant time because of it. So if he can hold up to the workload, then he can earn himself a pretty big contract. Um so I think that they're going to test that. I think that they're going to see what they can get out of Jay Ajayi in 2018. And for that reason, I love him just based on volume. I mean, I do think that he's still, even though he looks really weird when he runs, he's got the breakaway speed. He's got the power. I mean, he, he's got, to me, he has all the tools that Todd Gurley has um, with just a little bit more wear and tear on the tires. <laughs> And uh, But because of the fact that he is an injury risk and because of the fact that they are going to lean on him and pile a huge workload on him, I also really like Corey Clement. Um, definitely is a handcuff to Jay Ajayi, but even as his standalone value I think is pretty significant because I think that he also is going to see a significant workload um, just because I don't believe that Jay Ajayi can handle the workload that they want to put on him. Yeah, I, I kind of get that. You know, I, uh, here's the analogy that I kind of came up with when I was listening to you real quick. And it's almost like it's almost like a car, you know, and and you're looking at this car and you're going, boy, JJ is uh, th- this is the car I'm buying. And it, it's it's this tie rod is bad and it's going. But if 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 I fix it, if I fix it, you know, and I sell this car and I get a different car then it's going to cost me more and I'm not going to have as much money to get where I'm going. But if I keep this car, you know, and I drive it, you know, uh, on vacation 800 miles away and I get there in one piece, dude, I'm golden. I'm, I'm absolutely golden. I'm going to have a ton of money to spend there. I'm going to have a great time and everything's going to be good. 
But the problem is, is that like if if the car breaks down 150 miles in, you're kind of screwed. And that's the way it is with JHI. If you hold him and he doesn't hold up, which I mean, I think the indication is, is that he probably. I mean, I. I I would say that Philly isn't using him very much right now because they're a little concerned about it. Um, if, if that does happen and week three, this guy goes down and you are banking on, you know, really running him into the ground. Well, now you're a team who's, I mean, they're, they're in the Super Bowl. You're a team with, with playoff aspirations that just lost their starting running back. You were banking on a lot. So I don't know. To me, it's just, uh, you better have a backup plan if that's your game plan, I guess, moving forward. And the backup plan better not be, well, Corey Clement and LeGarrette Blunt are going to kind of split. You know, I mean, I, as yeah. much as I like Clement, I just don't think that that's, that's feasible either. So um, it's it's an interesting thought, but I, I would think if that's what you're going to do, you better bring somebody else in um, to kind of kind of mitigate some of that risk. Yeah. Well, to use your analogy on the car, essentially they got a free car and they basically waited to drive it you know, if if you have another 800 miles that you're going to get out of that car, they waited until they went on that 800-mile trip. <laughs> and so that's essentially what 2017 was. It was kind of a free year. There was no reason to necessarily use JGI. But now it's time for vacation. It's time to, to put those miles on it and get whatever you can get out of them. Um so I, I think JJ is going to be really interesting next year, but I think that Corey Clement is the lotto ticket that you want. And I mean, best case scenario, JJ does exactly what I think he's going to do next year, which is top five ceiling. And then, you know, and then you get, you trade him, you sell high on him and Corey, Corey Clement becomes the feature guy in 2019. So Getting out ahead of that a little bit, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. That's actually a very sound strategy. Um, a couple other guys who are currently in the league, um, before I ask you some questions about uh, some of the future stars of the position, but I'm going to lump these two guys together because they have similar situations, not quite the same, but similar. Kenyon Drake right now is the de facto starter for the Miami Dolphins at running back. Um, it's a little hard to imagine him being the best option uh, when, this, when the dust settles and the smoke clears, but it's very possible. And James Conner right now is, for all intents and purposes, a starter in Pittsburgh. You know, Le'Veon Bell is no longer under contract. He's a free agent. Um, he has said that he will not play under the franchise tag again. He would rather retire which, you know, we've heard that before, <laughs> but uh, not from him, but from others. And uh, it's entirely possible that that's just kind of, you know, puffing up the chest um, going into negotiations. But it's also possible that they let him walk or that he does retire. And James Conner all of a sudden is a starting running back for one of the top offenses in all of football. So those are two guys that I want to ask you about, just as far as their dynasty value going into 2018. Um, how confident do you feel like you can be in either one of those guys being a fantasy-relevant running back for you? Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. I, I think James Conner, you know, I, 
look, like you said, we've heard it before. If Le'Veon Bell gets the franchise tag, he'll sit out as long as he can until he starts losing game checks, and he'll he'll probably show up. I mean, that that's normally what ends up happening, and you know that that'll kind of be it going forward. So James Conner is interesting just because you know you don't really know what's going to happen, but at the same time, you can kind of expect that you know that Le'Veon Bell's probably going to be back, and he's probably going to have a limited role for one more year. Um, and then after that, you know, we'll see. But uh, but as far as next year goes, I don't. I, I think your window for buying James Conner is still going to be okay. I think right now, with the speculation that Le'Veon Bell may not be back there, I probably wouldn't be buying him. Um, any owner that has him is probably wanting a little bit more because of that. But if Le'Veon Bell comes back, which I sus- expect will be the case, middle of the year next year or, you know, beginning of the year next year, well, Le'Veon Bell's taking all those carries, that's probably the time to buy James Conner. Um, so that that's kind of what I'm looking at as far as he goes. Kenyon Drake is really interesting. Okay, so check this out. I, I was just kind of looking at his game logs, right? And in the last five weeks, okay, so actually it was... Um, it was... Yeah, the last, his, the last five weeks, okay? Um... He, he didn't have oh let's 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 go this way that the first uh, the first 11 weeks uh, Drake did not have more than 10 carries in a game once right all of a sudden week 12 13 14 15 uh, I'm sorry uh, both games 12 13 14 15 and 16 um, roll around and Kenyon Drake starts getting over double digit carries in every game his first game was against Denver. He had 23 carries for 120 yards and a touchdown. He also had three grabs for 21 yards, okay? So, again, pretty pretty good stat line there. He had 5.2 yards a carry. His next game against New England, he had 25 carries for 114 yards. Um, he also had five catches for 79 receiving yards. Um, after that, 16 carries for 78 yards and a touchdown, 13 carries for 57 yards, and then 14 for 75 his yards per carry was never under 4.3. That was his worst. And his best game was uh, was 5.3 yards per carry. Um, it seemed like his workload went up, but, I mean, he produced. He produced pretty good in those five games. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I just I, I kind of saw Kenyon Drake. He was a guy who broke a decent amount of tackles. Um, he, he ended up getting some, some good yardage um, after first contact. He, he was a guy that I was really interested in kind of going forward. The problem is, is that, you kind of hear some rumors out of Miami that they're not so high on him. So that's what gives me pause as far as buying Kenyon Drake goes. So if I own Kenyon Drake, I'm probably holding and hoping for the best, hoping that Miami at best drafts a running back in the maybe fourth round that he has to compete with something like that, that they don't bring in a veteran that they're going to spend a bunch of money on. So they're going to start that sort of thing. Um, If I don't have Kenyon Drake, I'm probably not buying him anywhere just because, you know, I I don't know what that situation is going to hold. But it definitely seemed like Kenny Drake actually, when he got when he got a run at the end of the year, played pretty well with it. So um, I don't know. He, he's an interesting name moving forward. Um, I don't think I'd be selling him actively, and I don't think I'd be buying him. I think he's just kind of a hold. Good stuff, James. All right, I got one more one more question for you because you're you're our resident Devi guy. Uh, I I don't play in any Devi leagues. For those who don't know, that's developmental. And which means, you know, James plays Devi, which means he has been, he has already rostered several of the players who are going to be entering the 2018 NFL draft. 
And this is a really, really deep uh, draft class for the running back position, starting, of course, with uh, Saquon Barkley out of Penn State, who, you know, for all intents and purposes, uh, you know, we're already kind of calling him the first overall pick in uh, in our dynasty rookie drafts. And I'd say there's at least a 75% chance, if not better, that that holds up even after the NFL draft. Um, but I, I think that everybody's pretty familiar with Saquon Barkley, but I think that what we could really use is a little bit of a, of a context type of thing with this rookie running back class. And, you know, how, how important is it, I guess, you know, in a lot of startup drafts for dynasty, you include the draft picks, right? You say you have 1.01 as a draftable asset. So how important is it to you to get Saquon Barkley at 1.01? And is there that really that much of a drop off from Barkley to the next set of guys? Um, that uh, that you have to get 1.01. 1.02 isn't going to be acceptable for you, and you would move heaven and earth to get 1.01. And uh, that's the first question I have for you. And then I guess the other question I would have for you is for those of us who aren't, you know, who aren't high enough on the draft picks and high enough on Barkley to uh, to make that move to go get the 1.01 and get make sure we secure Saquon Barkley. Um, who are some other guys that we can look at later in the first round who still have a chance to to take the type of step um, that uh, that rookie running backs are prone to taking, a la Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt, etc. Yeah, yeah, and it's definitely a good year for that. I mean, it's it's a deep running back class for the second year in a row. Uh, first off, Saquon Barkley is great. I mean, he's fantastic. I've watched a lot of his tape, and, you know, I've seen him throughout the year. He's explosive. He has all the physical attributes that you would want. Obvious, he, he's the obvious 1.01. But uh, with that being said, and with the running back depth being what it is in this draft and what it is in the NFL, if I have the 1.01, I—, I you know, it's valued so high to some that you could probably get three firsts. I mean, if, if an owner has three firsts in this draft, you could probably get three late firsts, and I'd rather have that. Um, and, and I enjoy Saquon Barkley. I, I love watching him. You know, he, he's a great talent. But the, just running down some of the names, I mean, Darius Geis is a close second, in my opinion. Darius Geis is a, a really talented running back coming out of LSU. Uh, he was a guy who was – he was getting carries when Fournette was there. So, I mean, that's that's how good Geis was and, and is. Um, you got both the Georgia running backs with uh, Nick Chubbs and uh, Sony Michelle both coming out and both, I mean, really highly touted. You've got Ronald Jones the third. You've got Miles Gaskin, Royce Freeman, Kalen Bowage. Carry on Johnson is another guy who's flying under the radar. Um, Akron Wild. There's so many guys, Bo, Bo Scarborough, uh, there. There's a ton of guys that are that are declaring for the draft. There's guys uh, that you can get, you know, late second, third round. John Kelly is a guy coming out of Tennessee who, um, <laughs> who's highly touted. You have uh, Cameron Betway, Josh Adams, uh, coming out of Notre Dame, um, who's who's a back that probably can be had in the third round. Even that that could be, you know, a, a, a tremendous talent. So there's a lot of guys. There's a lot of running backs that are going to be available in this draft. 
there's going to be a guy. There's going to be a, a, a Kareem Hunter and Alvin Kamara, a guy who is drafted later in the draft that at least one that that you're going to go, man, you know, I really wish I had him because he's a top five, you know, uh, fantasy your top 10 fantasy asset, you know, or top 10 fantasy running back. There's, you know, going forward in Dynasty. So um, with that being said, you know, with all that depth out there, I think a uh, it, there's there's two two ways to look at it. A um, if you have a late uh, first round pick or you have multiple late round first round picks, value those. They're very valuable this year, especially if you're looking for a running back. Um, and the second thing is, with all this depth in the the draft, look for guys that are taken in the third round and the fourth round of the NFL draft to actually have an impact and make make you know turn some heads, um, because that's going to end up happening this year. Uh, there's going to be a lot of backs that are taken later in the NFL draft that are going to have fantasy impacts right away. See, I love that. We we definitely need to talk more about this um, as. Uh, as this offseason progresses, and especially once we get past the NFL draft, we need to really get into some of these running backs once we know what teams they're going to end up on. But that's because that is the impetus between behind this entire strategy of, you know, foregoing those those overvalued running backs and instead taking multiple shots at, you know, lower the the lower tier running backs who ultimately are just as likely to pan out if not more so so um you know Absolutely. so to me Sa- saquon barkley is definitely he he's an elite talent and he's probably going to land in the top five of nfl running backs at some point throughout his career probably multiple times i fully admit that but i think that the draft picks that you could make at least what what i'm hearing from you is the draft picks you could make in the the area of you know the eighth overall pick in your draft um maybe even as as late as the mid second round pick you could you can draft multiple running backs in that range with multiple picks you can you can draft multiple running backs in that range and you're just as likely to get two you know, top five running back years out of those guys um, in the aggregate. You know, you're not necessarily going to get two year, two top five seasons out of one of those guys, but you're just as likely to get two seasons, two elite seasons out of two rookie running backs as you are to get two elite seasons out of Sa- Saquon Barkley. And I truly mm. believe that. And, and, and it holds up too. Yeah, and, and one thing real quick that I, I, I just want to add right quick. You know, last year, um, the, the Senior Bowl, is it, it displays so much talent. And this year, a lot of a lot of big-name quarterbacks are going to be there. Um, one of the ones that, that you know, is, is getting a lot of talk today is Josh Allen uh, for some of the comments he made. But it, he's going to be there, you know, it, it's Saturday. This Saturday is the Senior Bowl, the, the 27th. Um, so, you know, tomorrow. Um, you know, it's it's the week before the Super Bowl. I mean, there's nothing going on this weekend. If you have time Saturday, watch the Senior Bowl. Last year, this is where people started picking up on Kareem Hunt. He had a tremendous Senior Bowl. Um, he, he really uh, blew away uh, the practices in Senior Bowl week. And during the game, I mean, you just watched him and you, you instantly saw a guy like that. So, I mean, if you're not doing anything or even if you are, you know, record the game, watch it. It's fun. It's fun to watch some of these younger guys you learn about 
about him. And, you know, even if you're you're an NFL fan and you like your team, you know, you might see a guy that your team takes. You go, oh, yeah, I remember him. I liked him, you know. So um, I, I would recommend watching the Senior Bowl. Uh, a guy like Kalen Balazs uh, may stand out, you know, as someone that you can get, you know, in the second round, um, you know, mid to late second round. And all of a sudden you saw the guy, you identified him, you picked him, and it feels that much better when it hits. When you go, yeah, dude, I saw him at the Senior Bowl. So yeah, you know, I, I knew I knew he was going to be good. So um, that that would be my recommendation. Is you know, even if you're not one that studies these guys, watch the Senior Bowl. It's, it's a fun game. It's football during a week that normally doesn't have football. It's better than the Pro Bowl. Trust me. So um, <laughs> yeah, just 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 one more recommendation. That's what I would do. Uh, watch watch the Senior Bowl. It's a, it's a good game. And it's real football as opposed to the Pro Bowl. So, no, yeah. that's that's great advice. Now's the time to do the work. The nice thing is you don't necessarily have to do the work because the DFF Army has you covered. James and so many others here at the Dynasty Football Factory do such an awesome job with the Devi department and with the uh, the rookie and college scouting. So uh, you can definitely use us as a resource um, you definitely get it, James, for sure, at DFF underscore the brain. By the way, brand new handle. So so that the uh the so that we can stop getting uh retweets from uh from people staring through a crystal ball. Um so no longer DFF underscore the psychic. He is now DFF underscore the brain. This was uh to me the uh, the position dissections have been, to me, extremely useful, um, and uh, we're going to continue to do it. We'll move on to the wide receiver position. We'll still have some trades to cover as well, uh, specifically focusing on the, the running backs. And then, uh, like I said, we'll get into the wide receivers, and we'll even spend a little bit of time on tight ends. And we'll get Travis back next week. Looking forward to that. Until then... We want to thank you for listening and ask you to uh, please do us a favor and rate and review wherever you listen. It helps us to expand our reach and to uh, to involve more people in the conversation and to focus more on the more useful content. Um, it helps us. Those reviews help us to uh, really zero in on the content that is the most useful to you, the listener. So you can follow the podcast on Twitter at SuperFlexPod and uh, send us your trades too at SuperFlexTrades. Regardless of the of the scoring settings, we definitely focus on SuperFlex, but we uh, we also look at tight end premium, point per carry, 2QB, etc., etc. And uh, we'll even talk about PPR and standard and, uh, you know, just the run of the mill leagues. So... Um, whatever you want to send us, we'll retweet it. We'll send it out to more people, get you more votes and more advice. And we can also talk about it here on the podcast. So send us your trades at Superflex Trades. And again, you can follow James at DFF underscore the brain. Travis is at Travis NFL. I'm at DFF Dynasty Dude. Dynasty Football Factory itself is at DFF underscore Dynasty. And the network of great DFF podcasts is at DF underscore network, where you can hook up with the fantasy football fellas, the Dynasty War Zone, the Devi Watch podcast, the IDP Edge Crushers, Capology 101, 
and Dynasty Trades HQ. That'll do it for this episode. That'll do it for the running back position dissection. On to the wide receivers next week. And until then, bye. Bye.